0: going now to talk about is the unity in marriage unity is the bedrock of marriage now if you look at the book of genesis chapter 2 verse 24 write that down it says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become what one plus one equals i can't hear you That is God's mathematics. Keep that in your mind because you'll be going further to analyze factors that are hidden in that statement. But if we look at yesterday, I gave you this also. Psalm 133 verse 1 to verse 3. It says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down the beards, running down Aaron's beards, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as as if the the dew of Hammon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. I've explained that yesterday, telling you that God sends His blessing into marriage. If that blessing does not find the oil, it cannot rest. If you find the oil and the oil is not flowing down the collar, it cannot rest. Because he gathers oil on the head alone. And the head gathers it and collect it and collect it and collect it so that the wife is not getting part of it. It doesn't flow down the collar. God cannot bless such. For God to bless a unity in marriage, the oil is put upon the head of Aaron. It flows down the collar. Alright? And that is unity. God cannot bless disunity, No matter how much you work hard, God won't bless it. He frustrates the intentions of this unity. However, I want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to verse 12. And let us see the analysis of Ecclesiastes concerning unity. Would you tell us in which area are we talking about unity? It says two are better than one. Underline that. We can preach about this for seven hours nonstop. Looking at various advantages that a united two bring forth. Beginning from procreation, all right, to wealth, to capacity building, you know, innovation because of collaboration and cooperation. We can look at several achievements to support, all right, to defense. But the Bible went for that to explain also, says they are better than one, two are better than one because they bring good return to their work. And that's talking about financial capacity two people come together they have better financial capacity now, let me say this to those of you who are not married if you are a woman who is a who is um, you know um uh, an enterprising person you cannot marry a man who is a loafer you'll be frustrated because the role of the woman is to help the bible says so let us make him a helper suitable so when you are looking for a husband Short and robust. That may be your statistics. But they are you laughing? Oh, he just thanking you now. Yes, a woman short men and robust. Okay? That could be your statistics. But your character and behavior and reasoning must be measured to your own reasoning. That is saying that I marry him not because he's short and robust only, but because I'm a front, I'm a, I'm an innovator, and he is an innovator. He challenges my, my, my brain whenever I talk with him. Okay? If a woman is an innovator, a woman is a, is a goal-getter, and he marries a man who is a loafer, tall and slim, I tell you something, you will be paralyzed. Because you have nothing to help. Same thing with a man. If a man decides to marry, you must marry somebody who can plug into you so that he can help you. Be a helper. Not somebody who will depend on you all her life and pull you down until your neck will break out of your head. I would gather faith does not solve that. It is sight that handles that. That's the reason why somebody asked me before, what is courtship in Christendom? Courtship is just to know somebody. You meet somebody, you have to cut the person. It's not to go and romance and be hugging yourselves. That is not so in scripture. It's to know that person, because the person you just met and he says, I want to, uh, you know, excuse me, I, I have interest in you. you. You don't know who he is. He may look appealing to you. Okay, we can talk. Courtship is therefore to chat him up or chatter up to really know who is the one behind the veil in that body. Test the person to know whether it's my Sally. Test her whether whether she's too demanding. She wants you because what will you get from you? A man that cannot have initiative to buy you a card at the time of courtship when you're having bad yourself, you better resign (laughs) from that courtship. And when you resign, there is no apology. Because you don't just resign for nothing; you resign for a purpose. Are we together now? Similar to the man, similar to the woman—a woman who met you and is always demanding, demanding, demanding—you understand the fact that he will kill you. Because love is not demanding; love is given. Love is given, and it's reciprocal. So, therefore, you want someone that will match with you—that that will cooperate with you to bring better reward to your work. Okay? Then the next verse is, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. Yes? That is support. Somebody who can support you. Somebody who does not laugh at your weakness. Somebody that you can see your traits, the area of your weakness, and that person has the strength in that area. So that your weakness will turn to strength by the traits of the person you are marrying. That's what the Bible is saying here. Not just jump into marriage. It says, if one falls down, his strength can help him. But pity the man who has no one to help him up. The one who, anything you do, is, before you know it, the whole world have had it. If it is bad. But when you give money, Nobody knows it. But when you make mistake, before you know it, your friends are calling you that, ah, why are you behaving like that? Behaving like how? Run for people like that. Because husband and wife are supposed to support one another. And lift up one another from falling. Then in verse 11 it says, And if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But pity? How can one, sorry, how can one keep warm alone? Excuse me. Women need to be asking men they want to marry that, when we marry, are we going to have mother's room and father's room separately? And if you say yes, you need to let the man know that I'm not for that. Okay? Or a woman who tells you that, oh, I have madame's room. Tell her, there is no madame. Once I marry you, you are a wife. Full stop. Two must leave together, sleep on the same bed, live in the same room. Let me tell you by common sense, if one of them had an attack in the night that needs the other to call ambulance, that person will freely die for no reason. And when you open your eyes over, God will ask you, what are you doing here? Why should you sleep in a different room to your Spout, When I God said, what God has joined together, let no man put us there. When I God said, the marriage bed should not be defied. So, if God spoke about a marriage bed, it means two people sleep there and one. As one. One don't sleep on the couch and the other one is sleeping on bed. One don't sleep in one room and the other one is sleeping on the other room. God cannot visit both of them. I know some minister who says that. You know, if I sleep with my wife, I'm contaminated. It's because there are occultic people who say that. They have what they do in the midnight. They don't want the wife to see. You know, anything people say, judge it by the word of God. The Bible says two shall sleep together. You can't sleep in two rooms and you are together. Am I talking some sense here? You have said we shall sleep together. And then someone says that by my anointing, I don't want it contaminated when I want to seek God. My wife sleeps separate. I sleep separate. Who told you that? When you want to seek God, you only tell yourselves that, look, I want to fast this day. And it's permitted. You sleep on the same bed. Sleeping on the same bed does not mean that your fasting is not acceptable. That's what will make your fasting acceptable. Because you did not defile the law of God. If you go to pray, come back and sleep on your bed. Because that bed, God commanded you to sleep there. The anointing that will separate your bed, may God not give you. It can't even come from God, really. (laughs) Hallelujah. When you are fasting, you don't have to touch one another, because that is scripture. But you sleep on your bed. It's not every day you sleep on your bed that you touch one another. keep warm 12 says though one may be overpowered two can defend themselves not two can oppress themselves not two can betray themselves two can defend themselves i love it a cord of three strands is not quickly broken that is when the cord is two united the third one will interwingo which is the holy spirit that's why we came three strands now write this down on that scripture. Number one, the first thing is that raise the benefits of marriage, better financial capacity. That's number one advantage. Second advantage: support and help. Third advantage: comfort, romance. Or affection. Fourth advantage, cooperation, unity, strength, and defense. I think this is what we'll publish on Sunday in your bulletin. And the fifth advantage, communication benefits of marriage. I have just two minutes, but I will beg your pardon for me to finish at five past nine. Because this is just two to nine. Okay. I've been speaking to you now for about 13 minutes of marriage. Now. If you look at the things I've been reading from about unity and all stuff, I deduce some qualities or some factors that are indispensable if a unity will succeed. Either you apply that to your marriage or you apply it to your organization or you apply it to your company. Okay? Wherever two people are involved or more. The first one is cooperation. Cooperation. Corporation is a group of people authorized to act in a, as a single body. That's a corporation. So, husband and wife, you're a corporation. And when you begin to act as a single body, two shall become one. Children will come in, you know, ideas, innovations, and also will come in. Corporation. The second thing that you must write down is cooperation. Cooperation or collaboration. All right. Whenever you have a team operation, you are a corporation, but you must collaborate. Because the definition of cooperation is a group of people authorized to act as a single body. The two shall become one body. All right. Therefore, You need to cooperate with one another or collaborate with one another at every level. And the word collaboration means the action of working with someone to create something. Understanding that you cannot single-handedly as a member of the team succeed. You can only succeed as a team not as a person because you have a common purpose you are working as a singular body though you are many now if you understand that further on two people you can understand the application or implication in several people but it's the same thing this is it you both have different minds and mindsets before you came together so therefore you can agree with me that If you and I come together for a common purpose, the first challenge is our mindset. Correct? So, we must have a change of mindset for us to be able to collaborate because I think differently to the way you think. In a position whereby husband stick on his mindset and wife stick on the mindset... No peace will be in that house from the day of marriage till the day both of them die. They will barely succeed. Same thing with a teamwork, company, or your office work. Somebody will be the head. The rest of them will be your team members. Everybody will have functions or definition, which also is The definition of each person may command different levels of authority and power. However, we achieve together as a team. So the glory does not come to one man, but to all. Okay? Any place you do what I'm telling you, you will see how easy success is achievable. In a company, you turn it, the turnover becomes explosive. But understand, therefore, that the first challenge is reaching our mindset. So that our mindset now is in agreement with the common purpose. Collaboration. Then the third one is devotion. Anything we decide, we devote ourselves to it. Okay? So when we devote ourselves to something, it means that we put together all our strength and energy to achieve the aim. Because there is collaboration and we have a common goal. And this should be applied to all departments in the church. What is devotion? Devotion means loyalty. We are loyal to our common purpose. Or faithfulness. Everybody is faithful. Nobody lies. If you come late, you don't look for an excuse for coming late. You must be free to say, I really wasted my time today. Because that will help you to do better next time. You don't need to lie. Because telling the truth, if there is unity, there is collaboration, there is no fear to tell the truth. If you say, I miss my boss, everybody must accept it as the only truth. Alright? Because there is no fear. Are we together now? And this comes from the strand of unity. And this is what God demands. Especially when it comes to church, if you are late and you are saying, telling lies or looking for excuse, you know what, is, what you are doing. You are ignoring the fact that God saw what happened and He's right with you we are talking. And that is spite on God. You have no reason to lie. And you must put in devotion. Effort. Equal effort. To whatever you, you do as a team. Then, devotion also means Commitment and steadfastness some other time i'll talk about that when we get to the prophetic voice leaders conference this year i'm going to be looking at that as into talking about di- directors of com- organizations and managers now the next one which is the fourth one isn't it correct is transparency of course loyalty faithfulness anybody that is loyal will be transparent anybody that is faithful will be transparent all right you see how they interlock. Transparency. And the final one is communication. Communication. I'm going to talk about each one of these, not today. Maybe in church and stuff like that, so that those of you who have been here, we can continue in their discussion. If you look at the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It says, the man and his wife were both naked, and they knew no shame. Genesis two twenty-five. Complete transparency. Transparency. You know, when there is lack of transparency, and then it is exposed, then there will be suspicion unending. Are we together now? You can imagine people in a marriage. The man has houses all over the place, and the wife didn't know. Even he has some houses with some friends, and the friends know about those things, but the wife doesn't know, and he dies. What do you think will happen? There are those kind of friends who will like, encourage you not to let your family know what you have, they will just sit over it. Many people in the grave are crying. Ah, if you go to the graveside, that's where the most cry is. <laughs> you can't only see them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I won't tell you a story of what happened to somebody that um, is in the public record a man who died and he had two billion with a concubine and the wife at home didn't know it, you know, in Nigeria. What happened that it's a pastor to a senior one, and then the one who was alive phoned the one at home who was mourning her husband innocently and said that, uh, uh, Mommy, sorry for our husband that we lost. <laughs> yes, this is what the Church of God, Satan made it. They belong to the same church. And the senior pastor is keeping the family with another woman in the same church, different parish. And the wife I told they didn't know. But when death came, she called the my woman and said that sorry, our husband, lost of our husband I said, oh. put down the phone. Phone rang again. She said, Mommy, I'm telling you because our husband left some money for both of us, two billion. Is it two billion or eight billion? Something stupendous. So the woman who is crying, when he heard that the husband left, it. <laughs> eight billion, and and the and the wife at home, the woman outside said, that "I don't want to be to be, she doesn't want to commit sin." <laughs> you can understand. <laughs> It will never happen in CFT. That's what I'm teaching you to see. Spiritually. You can travel miles, years ahead of time and see. You can travel back and understand. If you do what I'm teaching you. A secret thing like that will happen, heaven will reveal it. And it will be dealt with before Satan grounded himself. I would mean I'm talking about transparency. You know, the man died without the wife really knowing what he, he has. But thank God <laughs> for a concubine who, who still has a little remorse that she won't sin too much. <laughs> transparency can destroy many things. I would talk about transparency a lot more as, as an issue. But when I talk about transparency with you, I will also distinguish between suspicion, inordinate suspicion, and transparency. You know, there are some marriages that the husband suspects the wife, the wife suspects the husband. Nothing is really happening. Satan brought suspicion to their minds. Alright? Where there is genuine love, you cannot suspect the one you love. Alright? You cannot. Because genuine love brings genuine trust. And when... Thoughts come to your mind against the one you love. who can it be if not the accuser of brethren? You say your mind to it, you will be, or you'll be going through mental torture and the devil can penetrate your body. Whenever you, you turn away from the Lord, you are vulnerable to demonic oppression. I would together. the Bible says perfect love does what? cast out of fear okay i think i have to stop here today because we have to pray now write these things down how to make sure team work goes well how to make sure that a teamwork goes well that is all the challenges you may have in a team how can you overcome it understand the first challenges are the challenge of your mindset which you have to bring together for a common purpose another challenge did mention to you which i think i need to kick that in is ego your ego when people are together working together each person have ego you know and because of ego there's a lot of arguments over things that they should just compromise especially when you are working in a company that you have to collaborate with outside organization and various professionals or partnership all right professional ego delay decision making and can of course every delay is money loss and if you don't know how to break down yourself and all i'm going to give you some factors now that you can apply and when you apply that factor when you when you confront people who have such ego it will kill it what i want to tell you now you do it you will kill it also you have husband and wife who have ego i am the head of the house and the wife said too I am the neck. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ego is very, very dangerous. But these are the things to do. Number one, change your mindset. And your mindset should be, no one of us can do it alone. That's number one mindset. No one of us can do it alone. There is nobody who is Mr. Know-it-all. I need you, you need me. We are part of one family you get it now? And you must believe it. Number two, humble yourself in the face of challenges ahead. So when somebody comes with his professional ego, you can kill it by being humble. And listen attentively to what they are saying so that you will have opportunity to express yourself as well. But if you do not listen to what they are saying, you will get involved in wrangling. And you need to teach the team together if you are the team leader that all of us need to know this, that we need a change of mindset because we have way we do our things in our organization. You have way you do your things in your organization. Like, husband came from one family, there's a way you do your things in that family. And wife came from another family, there's a way you do your things in that family. But when you come together, you have to rethink and stop some of the things you do in your family and some of the things you do in the other family or in your company so that we can do the things that we should do to get this dream fulfilled. It takes humility, and it takes the mindset that agree that I cannot do it alone. Number three is curious about what others bring to the table. You must be curious about what others bring to the table. These are fundamentals that you must teach your team before you go into any dialogue and and. and uh, And um, discussion and decision because everybody has something to bring others must be curious when others are speaking to try to see behind the veil because sometimes ignoring people who are bringing ideas to the table may be the most vital idea that will have helped you I would gather you know in family we ask our children when they are children to contribute I always do that to my kids I want to hear from them because two things Sometimes the children, the way they see things is different, and when they speak, they may not speak forcefully as babies, but they're sensing it. At the same time, second thing, it will train them to be bold in, in, in saying their views. You will have kids that grew up and people are talking, they are looking. Yeah, yes, because they are used to talking. Ask them what is your opinion. You must be curious to hear what others are saying. Number three. You must, three, four. Yeah, four. You must be willing to take risk and to learn quickly. Willing to take risk and quick to learn. Number five, you must have the right mindset at all levels of operation. That is, you must make sure that every member of the team have the same mindset, which which comes from clear purpose. When your purpose is distinct, the mindset will be very, very, you know, united. But if your purpose is not distinct, there will be chaos and confusion and people will misunderstand or misread your intentions and you will fail. You must be, you must have the right mindset at all levels. And finally, you must have equal impact. Right impact at every level. And that's what I told you yesterday, equipotential impact. That is, from the top man to the least man, who is the footrunner? There must be equal impact. In other words, equal zeal. Because there is equal understanding, there is collaboration, there is cooperation, there is transparency, environment is conducive to suggest people are not afraid and they are under their own roof to speak out their mind. A woman who cannot speak her mind in a marriage because of fear, that marriage has failed. Or a man who is not able to speak his mind because I don't know what my wife is going to do. She's going to nag. Let her nag. You to nag. Nag the truth. Hmm. Have you? Fear of dog, I don't want her to nag. Nagging can nag. But you say the truth too. If you discover that the one you marry is a nagger. You know what he'll nagging? Naggers. <laughs> but but nagging the truth I will teach you different between uh, uh, what you, dialogue and dispute they are two different things ok the Bible didn't say you shouldn't dialogue it is dispute that it says you shouldn't get into and if you get into it you must resolve it I would together now, two cannot work together unless they agree, which means that they understand what the common purpose is. Well. Well. And then they work together. Come on, let's stand up now.